Well, good morning. good morning. Man, isn't it good to be in church today? I love this church. Good looking group of people. My name is Pete, and I have the privilege of serving here as the associate pastor. And if this is your first time with us, we want to welcome you. If you're looking for a home church, we think you found it. So following service, myself, yeah, I like it. We're glad that you're here. Myself and Pastor Randy, our founder and lead pastor, meet you in Guest Central, give you the opportunity to ask questions about the church, get to know us a little bit better, and see what God is doing at FCF. If you love Pastor Randy and his teaching, can you let him know this morning? Just put your hands together. He is a blessing to the kingdom of God, blessing to me personally. Uh, if you want, I'm actually going to give you permission, but you can pull your phone out, and you can go to the FCF page. And you can comment, you can engage, you can check in, let people know that you're in church, and you can invite them to worship with us. I realize you're rolling the dice on the message at this point, but wasn't the worship phenomenal? Can you just tell that team how much you love and appreciate them? I, I realize I'm, uh, well, the girl that they had lead that last song, man, she is... Really nice, Clark, real nice. <laughs> if, uh, if you're new with us, that is my amazing, amazing bride. And I took some flack last time because I did not show a picture of my entire family. Apparently, I've never shown a picture of my entire family. I've shown a couple kids here or there or pictures of Jessica and I. But I'm going to show you. This is actually my entire family. This is my beautiful wife, Jessica, my eldest son, Ethan, my son, Daniel, my little squeeze or stinking cheeks, Zoe. And this is a guy that cannot believe the life that he gets to live. Um, my wife is a lot better looking than I am. I'm well aware of that. There's no point to keep telling me that like many of you do. I just saw a husband look at his wife and say, I'm better looking than you too. Don't say those things. It hurts our heart. But we're glad that you're here. Are you glad to be here? All right. We're going to look at a passage this morning that I believe is a clear depiction of the human condition. What I mean by that is this, there's all of these things that we believe make up who we are, but there's one thing that potentially we hide, one thing we put away. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. If you're using your phone or something, you can do that. We'll track scriptures here. Does anyone still bring a Bible, a hardback Bible? My man, Dylan, anybody else? I love that. I still bring my Bible. So if you're using an iPhone, feel free. If you're using an Android or something, just throw that trash away. Get yourself a real phone. Okay, here we go. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was, uh, what's it say? Great man in the sight of his master. Highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. I mean, this is a pretty impressive resume immediately. Right off the bat, we see this general. I mean, he's kind of a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's seen success and victory. You may not know Aram, but it's a, a Syrian city-state, a powerful, powerful group. And um, a lot of their success had happened militarily, and Naaman was a huge part of that. You may not know the name Aram, but you may know the name Aramaic, which is a language that a huge portion of the Bible is written in. And actually, Jesus, when he spoke from the cross, he spoke in Aramaic, and it was transliterated into another language. That's this powerful nation of which Naaman is a big deal. 
But you see these three dots down here? That means there's more to the passage. It means there's more to the story. But let's read it again. Now, Naaman was a commander of the armies of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. But he had leprosy. He's got it all together. Everything looks good. But he had leprosy. The reason I think this is the human condition is because I don't think we're that much different than Naaman. You can appear like you have everything together. You've seen all of this success, or maybe your family looks good. But there's this area of your life, potentially a, a, a shortcoming, a, maybe something secret. Maybe it's greed. You're never satisfied. Maybe it's your thought life. There's a part of you that is held back. There's a man named Simon Sinek that wrote this whole thought process on, on the why why we do what we do and that your why is what drives you and your why is what drives you and your why is what you want to accomplish in your life and you do everything pushing towards the why. But listen to me. The but will stop you from achieving the why. And this word is what my entire message hinges on. Because everybody has one. I, I was so uncomfortable with this, double entendre, that I, I couldn't even put it on the slide. But you know where I'm going. Everybody has a but. One T, not two. One T, just to be clear. One T. Everybody has one. We work hard. We've seen success. Beautiful family. But everything looks good on the outside, but. And before you sit back, cross your arms and say, you know, I'm glad Ethel's here. Ethel needs to hear this. I don't know if there's anyone named Ethel here. I tried to pick the most random name. If, you're, if your name is Ethel, I apologize. I don't know about what you're going through. <laughs> I'm glad Ethel's here. She needs to hear this. I'm not talking to Ethel, you rascal. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. We all have a but. One T, not two. Can I take this a step further? I probably shouldn't, but can I take it a step further? If you go around the sun with somebody enough times, if you get enough time hanging out with somebody, eventually... They may show you the shortcoming. No, not the... I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I told my wife we should have watched online today. I didn't come to church for somebody to tell me I got a rear end. That's not what we're saying. I'm not, I'm not a biologist, okay? <laughs> Probably too soon for that joke. <laughs> One T. 
Why am I driving this home? Why am I pushing this so hard? Because acknowledging our sickness is our first step towards getting healed. We have to get to this point where we realize, wait, there's something not right inside of me. There's a brokenness. I'm in need of Jesus. I'm in need of a Savior. But we don't do that, do we? That's the last thing that we do. What do we do? Go ahead. If you want to say it, just go ahead and say it. What do we do? Excuses? Hide. Hide. This is what we do. We hide. Naaman's sin probably showed up. Not, not necessarily sin, but his leprosy showed up. Maybe on his hand. It was common for leprosy to show up on his hand. There's, maybe this was psoriasis. There's all sorts of different. There's a different word there for leprosy, although it does appear to be a pretty bad disease that he has. But God probably does this. He just, you know, he gets, his, he gets his sleeves lengthened a little bit. You with me? Just so he can cover it a little bit so nobody, nobody will see. We just, we, just, we just hide it a little bit. And we can make fun of Naaman all we want, but we do the same thing. We come in church. Hi, Pete, how are you? Hallelujah. <laughs> Wife and kids, praise the Lord. But, but there's a brokenness. There's a sickness. There's something that's not right there that I'll give you just a little bit of a, little bit of a heads up. Naaman gets healed. And this morning, God is going to show us the pathway to spiritual wholeness. Not just physical wholeness, but spiritual wholeness. Acknowledging our sickness is our first step. I'm going to give you three points that we're going to walk through this morning. And the first one is this. We can't hide our sickness. We want to hide because that's our mammalian or human response I'll take it one step further and say it's an Adamic response or to be like Adam. Because Adam and Eve break trust with God. They say, I'm going to do this my way. They separate and they hide from God. It says that they hid in the bushes. And of course, where do you hide from the person that created the entire universe? In the bushes. I don't get it. This is the brokenness that's inside of us. But listen to me, hear this clearly. You can't hide. I can't hide. We can't hide our sickness. God wants to make us whole. And eventually it gets to the point that one of his servants notices, a servant girl. She sees the sickness, and this is her response. 2 Kings 5, verse 3. She says, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. He replies, by all means, go to the king. Aram replied, the king of Aram replied, excuse me, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So the king of Aram, speaking to the king of Israel, going back for them, send him a letter. So Naaman left, the, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. It's a lot of gold. And 10 sets of clothing. With this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his, what is it? Leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? 
Can I kill and bring back to life? Does this fellow send me someone, send someone to me to cure me of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a fight with me. There's all sorts of tension between these two nations. They've been rivals for a while, and this comes to a head in this moment. Imagine Pastor Randy sitting at his desk, and he gets an email he doesn't like, and he goes, ah, and tears his shirt off. This was an odd response. He melts down. He freaks out like Kanye West at an award ceremony. Beyonce had the greatest video. Of, I, think it's, it's, I think it's too soon for a Will Smith joke, Pastor Kim, so I'm not going to make one. It's still a little tender inside. But we can't hide our sickness. But that's what we do. We hide. So, goes on, verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had, what's it say? <coughs> torn his robes. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there's a prophet. There's a man of God in Israel. Verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Horses and chariots. Not singular, plural. This, this was an entourage. This was a powerful military man coming into town and everyone in that area knew when he pulled in. Bringing with him Silver, and there's, there's some, some value there, but 6,000 shekels of gold. There's two different measurements of a shekel. It depends on the time, and there's kind of argument back and forth between scholars on this. But it's somewhere between one and five million dollars. He brings this thinking he's going to be able to buy his healing. Second point is this. We can't buy our healing. We can't hide our sickness, and we can't buy our healing. That's not how this works. You think, you're, we're, we think we're doing good, we think we're working hard, but I can tell you, as a follower of Christ, this breaks my heart. As someone that I feel like has an understanding of who God is, his character, and his nature, to think of someone coming to him and saying, I'm going to buy my health. I'm going to buy my salvation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a point that I can afford this. Listen, we could never have afforded it, and that's not what he was doing. He says, it's the free gift of God. This thought process, buying our healing, this is appeasement-based theology. It's that God is ultimately mad at us, and so we got to get him off our back and on our side. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this is, this is the brokenness that's in us. Can't buy our healing. Think about it this way. He came for everyone. And if it was a specific cost, not everyone would be able to afford it. If it was monetary, not everyone would be able to afford it. But what can we all give? Ourselves. We can all surrender who we are to Him. 
Back to verse 9. It says, So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times, the number of completion, in the Jordan. This was a gross river. I've seen it. And your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away. What is it? Angry. And said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord, his God. <laughs> Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are not the Abana and the far part, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a... jump back to verse 10 Elisha sent a messenger to him I like to step into these stories when I read them in scripture I like to try to think of what it was like as these, these people are interacting you ever do this so I picture this servant it would have been highly unlikely that Naaman would have went to the door so this servant comes to the door of the house expecting to see Elisha, the man of God, or at least his servants, and Elisha doesn't even come to the door. Well, and Elisha knows that he's coming because he told the king, send him to me. So he knows he's coming, but he doesn't even come to the door. Now this servant goes back to the motorcade, goes back to the entourage, and they're like, so is he, is he ready to see Naaman now? And this poor guy. I mean, this was 1 to 10 news bad. This was an 11 bad. This was, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, I can't, I can't. The reason they say don't shoot the messenger is because people shoot the messenger in this time period. So he comes and maybe, maybe there's a couple of servants and soldiers there, and they're like, what do, what do we do? Like, I, I don't, I don't want to tell him this. He's going to be furious. So maybe there's a trusted guy. Let's call him Bartholomew. I don't know. This is what I came up with. Barth for short. Not a great nickname. I apologize. And they say, man, you've you got to... You gotta go tell him. You've known him like 15 years. You gotta, you gotta tell him this. He's not gonna want to hear it. So he comes over, he gets, you know, gets the courage and goes, goes to Naaman's chariot, and he stands there and he says, Hey, Naaman, uh, I, we, you know, they talked and I don't know how to tell you this, Naaman. Naaman says, you know, will the prophet Elisha see me now? He says, um, you know, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. So I'm just going to tell you. You, uh, you remember how we were heading north on 15? We were coming up 15, and like, we came out of, out of Frederick, and we past the gas station, the 7-Eleven on Sunday's Lane right there, right before the church with the green roof and the awesome uh, lead pastor there. 
subpar music, but everything else is pretty good. Remember that? It's Sunday's Lane. It's right there. It's that little, there's, little, there's a 7-Eleven right there. Yeah? He wants you to wash in the gas station bathroom sink. What? The Jordan? That's the dirtiest river. I'm not getting in that river. Did he, 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 said, he said four seasons. It wasn't 7-Eleven. It was four seasons. You sure? The new Marriott. Did he mention the Marriott they just built over there? Maybe it was Chick-fil-A, the Lord's Chicken. He wanted me to go there. Nope. Go to the Jordan River. Now this is where it gets really, really tough. Elisha doesn't come to the door. And that's puzzling, incredibly puzzling to this man. Naaman can't figure this out. So, so surely, he says, surely I thought he would have come to meet with me. Have you asked yourself this question? Because I ask these questions when I read these passages. I, I think to myself, why didn't he come to the door? Have you thought about that? Like, why doesn't Naaman come to the door? I mean, is there something else going on here? See, leprosy is on the outside. So it's easy to see. It's easy to diagnose. But that's not how most of our shortcomings are. That's not how most of our sin is. Most of our sin is, it's a little bit more hidden than that, isn't it? We don't wear it out on our sleeve. Is it possible, stay with me, is it possible that this incredibly successful general, many victories, valiant soldier, a great man, is it possible that his biggest issue wasn't Leprosy. See, we get really hung up on how things look on the outside. That's not God's biggest concern. Come on, that's not what he is most concerned with. And God has to first reveal to you what he intends to heal in you. I believe the reason Elisha didn't come to the door wasn't because he was mixing essential oils in the back. He wasn't watching his favorite episode of Chosen. The reason he wasn't able to come or didn't come is because he knew that God had told him Naaman had pride issues. Na Naaman was dealing with something significantly more detrimental. See, at some point, all of our bodies are going to die. This is a really deep theological truth. You ready? Every birth certificate in this room has an expiration date. And God's not so much concerned with that as he is concerned with our hearts. That was a great place to say amen. I'm going to give you another shot. God's not so much concerned with that as he is concerned with our hearts. So we have to get to this place where we say, God, I, I want your way. Leprosy's on the outside. Watch this. Naaman wanted to fix his outward appearance. But you know where I'm going. God wanted to fix his heart. God wanted him to do it his way. 
Verse 11, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call in the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. You want to hear one of the most dangerous phrases in all of scripture? It's right here. I thought, and we are seeing this take over our culture. I think, I reason, I feel my truth. I feel this way, and we justify what we want to do based on I thought. We can make fun of Naaman, but there's a little bit of all of us in this. Breaks my heart to hear somebody say something like, well, you know, I just think and I feel and I got to live. You don't know, Pastor Pete, but I got to live my truth. God help us. This won't make me super popular, super popular, but we don't need to live our truth. We need to live God's truth. We've got to get to a place that we say, God, it's your way. I want your way. We think, we reason. Verse 12, are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the other waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. We can't hide our sickness. We can't buy our healing. And my final point is this. We can't pick our treatment. We don't get to choose how we get healed. But that's what we want to do, isn't it? We, we want to slam Naaman, but we do the same thing. Let's go past this whole concept of getting healed, spiritual wholeness. Let's just go to obedience. Because that's what this is ultimately all about, is obedience. Are you willing to do it God's way? Because obedience is ultimately the mark of a Christ follower. Now, for some of you, you're hearing that for the very first time, and that's okay. People use all different phrases and all different rationales for why they are a Christian or why they believe that they're a Christian. But Scripture clearly shows us there is one way, and it's obedience and following Christ. People say stuff like, well, I said a prayer, so I'm going to heaven. Well, I, I read my Bible, I'm going to heaven. Most of us are educated far beyond our level of obedience. Reading the Bible isn't going to get you to heaven, although you should. Well, I go to church, and that makes me a Christian, right? Because I go to church, I'm a Christian. Going to church won't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's will make you a hamburger. That's not how it works. Followers of Christ are Christians. Well, I'm going to live this way. That's fine. That's going to separate you from God. Obedience is the mark of a Christ follower. Obedience is what matters most. This, this is the clearest way I can show it to you. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's 
the mark of a believer. That's what matters most. You know, I like to ask questions. I like to ask myself these questions when I'm reading these passages. So I'm going to ask you a question, and if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. But be honest with yourself. Do you trust God enough to do it His way? Like, you, you just want to say yes, but what happens when popular culture and Scripture collide? And if you haven't noticed, it's coming. It's already here. Do you trust God enough to do it His way? Here at FCF, we might say it this way. Do you trust God enough to follow Him? Because that's the mark of a believer. That's the mark of a Christian. Obedience, trust, so I follow. It's not a prayer, although praying is good. It's not church attendance, although you should be in church. It's not reading the Bible, but you can't know His word to follow it if you don't follow it. It's consistently, consistently being obedient to what He says. Let's read the end of our passage. Verse 13. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Now this is actually the whole reason that I selected this passage. I, I set out, and, and this happens, you can talk to Pastor Randy or any communicator probably, You'll set out with a goal in mind, but hopefully as a follower of Christ, you're praying, you're saying, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? What do you want to say? And I ended up deviating completely from what I was going to share. But I feel stirred. I didn't share it in first service, but I feel, feel like I should share it in this one. <laughs> Naaman was this close. Think about this for a second. If you don't hear anything else that I say, please hear this. Naaman was this close to dying a leper. And a trusted servant comes to him and says, man, just, just do it God's way. Just, just do it his way. If he had told you to climb the highest mountain, I know you would have done it. I've seen you, you're, strong. you're a warrior. If he, if he would have said, swim the deepest sea, I, I know that you would have done that. But he says this, like, why won't you do it, Naaman? It doesn't make any sense. Who are you surrounding yourself with? If this man was not in his life, or these servants were not in his life, Naaman would have died a leper. And I feel like the reason God put this point back in my message right now is because this morning somebody needs to hear this. You need to get the right people around you. You need to get the wrong people away from you. This close to dying a leper. This close from achieving all that God had for him. Let's go on. Verse 14 says, So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times 
as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young child. God put this picture in my head as I was reading this passage. Picture this huge entourage. They leave Elisha's house and they come to this dirty, muddy river. Soldiers get out, servants get out, they're standing there. And Elisha comes to the bank of the river. Naaman comes to the bank of the river. Maybe he walks right to the edge of the water. He stops. Everybody's behind him watching him. He takes off his helmet. Puts it down. He unclips his breastplate. And he puts it down. And he begins to take off all these other pieces of armor. And then in the picture that I got in my head, all of a sudden the servants gasped because they didn't realize how bad the leprosy was. And for the first time, they see how wounded and how broken Naaman really was. I don't want to be graphic, but maybe there was some, maybe there was some blood. Maybe his, his clothing was the wounds from the leprosy. Uh, is, is there a chance that some of us are we're bleeding under our armor? We're trying so hard to hide it. Naaman stands, strips down to just maybe a tunic, some undergarments. And he basically says, God, you're either going to come through for me or I'm going to look like a complete fool. But I'm going to follow you freely, fully, and forever. If nobody else goes with me, God, I'm pursuing you. I'm going to do this your way. And I think for some of you this morning, that's what he's calling you to. Some of you have been coming to FCF and this whole faith thing is brand new to you. This wasn't what you weren't raised in this and you have all kinds of questions, but you keep coming back and you keep asking and keep doing that. And I could, I could try to create some sort of moment here where you parrot a prayer and accept Jesus, but ultimately I think that's just a game we play with ourselves. The mark of a follower of Christ is obedience. So if this is the day that you're choosing that you want to be a follower of Christ, do it His way. God, I leave it literally. Naaman left it all on the bank. His prestige, his honor, his dignity, he stands almost naked in the Jordan River with his servants watching him. God, it's going to be your way. I want your way. And for some of you this morning, you say, you know what? Pastor Pete, that's what I want to do. 
I want to make that commitment right now. God, I'm following you forever. There's another group here. And that, that's people that have probably been following God for a while. You've, you've been investing in your faith and you've been coming, you've been consistent, you've been dipping and you've been dipping and you've been dipping and you've been dipping, but you don't necessarily feel like much has changed. You're not seeing the fruit of this yet. And while the passage doesn't tell us, I don't believe that it was a progressive miracle. In other words, one, he came out and he was a little cleaner. I don't think anything happened till seven. He comes out of the water and his skin looks like my baby girl Zoe Bears. Smooth and soft. It didn't even look like the age that he was. It was like, it says a child, a young child. Come on, that's, that's what it's about. And for you, I would just say, don't stop at six. You're dipping. Keep dipping. Stay faithful. Keep coming. Keep pursuing God. Continue to be obedient. But listen, leave it all on the bank. Say, leave it all on the bank. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, leave it all on the bank. That's what he's calling us to this morning. That's what he's calling us to. One last question for you. What, what would have happened if he would stopped on six? Naaman probably would have died a leper. And it's easy for us to make fun of Naaman and say, ah, oh, that's... That's ridiculous. How could Naaman do that? I mean, it's so foolish. Why would he do that? But we do the same thing. God, I love you, but I don't want to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. God, I love you. I want your way, but I'm going to continue to go out and get drunk and party with my friends. No, it's... Say it this way. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to hurt you. I'm not trying to be... I'm, I'm speaking to myself here too. Some Christians expect full healing on partial obedience. That's not how it works. God wants it all. God wants full surrender to Him. Can't hide our sickness. Can't buy our healing. Can't pick our treatment. You stand to your feet with me. Whatever you need to do to focus, you can do. For me, it's only closing my eyes, but you can do whatever that is for you. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. First question is this. Have you ever wondered, have you ever considered what your compromise is costing you? Like that one thing that's preventing you from stepping into all that God has for you. Because for Naaman, it would have changed his entire life. And I'm, I'm not overstating this. It has the same impact on us. What one decision are you saying, God, this means more to me than your complete 
blessing. This means more to me than your way. And I want to challenge you this morning. Cut it out of your life. It's not worth it. On the other side of complete surrender is your best possible quality of life. Is there anyone that has found God's way to be the best way? You say, hey, that's me, Pastor Pete. It's, it's the best. I turned my back on my way, on my thoughts, my reasoning, and I'll never look back. Anybody? You say, that's me. We're going to sing this song one more time. It's called The Stand. I want to encourage you. I'm going to have Jessica sing it first. And I want you to think about the words that we're singing. That we would get to a point that we say, Father, all that I am is yours. All that I am is yours. But baby, let's sing this together. Come on. To with arms high and heart in of the world. pressure you to do this I never would but you walk into a bank and everybody's hands are up you know who's in charge right if this morning you would say God I just want I want the mark of a Christ follower I want the mark of a Christian I want to be obedient as a sign of surrender if you want as we just sing this song again I'm gonna raise my hands I'm gonna say God as a sign of symbolic physical surrender to you of a spiritual choice. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to stand. I surrender to you. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to raise your hands with us. We're going to sing this song one more time and surrender all that we are to Him this morning. Come on, sing this with us. I'll stand. Lift your voices, church. Come on. So I'll stand. 